somebody has such I fancy have. nails today. Thank you. Thank you. Hot. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Eavesdrop Podcast. Uh, we will start this off already by saying this is um, probably the message you've been wanting to hear, you've been needing to hear, you've been seeking, the answers you've been seeking, hopefully. My name is Jelly. Hi, my name's Francesca. Hello, everybody. This is Del. Okay, right. just to let you know, Del is feeling under the weather. <laughs> so um, that's why she sounds so sexy. <laughs> you it's know. her bedroom voice. Yeah. Or the well, under the covers voice. And hmm. contagious. Am I really sexy? So that's the conundrum. <laughs> <laughs> no, but right now, they'll, they'll just think that you, you sound sexy and they're imagining you under your fur, <laughs> under the fur coat there. <laughs> okay, that's fine by me. All right. Well, it's good to have Sanaya back on uh, the podcast, uh, this time talking about something very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people responded to your first guesting on the show, and I think it it resonated with a lot of people and uh, a lot of people are now more uh, searching more on theta thinking just wondering what it is about and how it can help them and if it's for them and the topic today i think is one of the biggest revelations that we understand of human beings entering relationships so uh jelly if you would kindly intro the topic yes um so i took a class with sanaya and It was all about how as adults, we are walking or behaving like children. We're basically still children walking around as adults. And during the class, um, Sanaya explained why this is so. And when I heard the explanation, I was blown away because it was the answer to Um, a conundrum that I've had with regards to why my mother behaves the way she does, why people behave the way they do, I will let Sanaya expound on it. So we're going to talk about um, children (laughs) still masquerading as adults. Yes. (laughs) Children masquerading as adults. Is it everybody? Like everybody has like. Well, here's here's the thing. Okay, first of all, hi everyone. Hi. This is Sanaya. Yes. Hi, Sanaya. I'm so excited to be back on the show. First of all, I had an amazing time in the last um, episode that I was on, and I think I I just really enjoyed the vibe. I enjoyed the kind of questions I was getting, and you know, it just really reflects the kind of listeners and and um, viewers that you're getting. It's people who really you know they want to understand more about themselves, and they're like looking for answers, and they know that it's all there. We just trying to find the right person to help us, you know, understand it better. Mm. And so um, I was really excited to talk about Theta Healing and how it can help um, people just, you know, have their life work better for them. Mm -hmm. And um, since then, actually, I did get contacted by a lot of your listeners. And it was really interesting for me because all these people were really just ready for the change. You know, they were ready to kind of take control of their Mm -hmm. life and to shift. And that's why I'm so inspired to be back here and talk about something that's really been of interest um, to a lot of my students. I've noticed as I've been, you know, talking to my clients about this kind of understanding, it's really helping them process their childhood and to move on um, in their lives, which I think, you know, a lot of people are really stuck. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I did the research. I was looking to find 
find out, you know, how many of us are actually coming from dysfunctional families? And it was really surprising to see that, first of all, there's this worldwide in- initiative. Okay, so um, WHO actually has an entire program devoted to um, working with children who come from dysfunctional families. And they did a couple of major research studies. And it's a lot more common than we mm. think. First of all, more than 30 to 40% of people have been abused in some way in their childhood across the world. Okay. And we're talking about, it doesn't have to be physical physical abuse, but it's sexual abuse. It's, you know, emotional, emotional. verbal. Mm -hmm. And so this is like a really big problem. And right now, not everyone really, um, is, is reporting this kind of, um, these kind of instances. I mean, a lot of people don't want to talk about molestation, but it's also very common. You know, the number of people who have come to me as clients and we find out that they've been, you know, inappropriately touched Mm. by someone in their family. And sometimes it stops at inappropriate touching, but that's already really bad. It's enough. It's It's traumatizing. It's enough. Mm. You know, it's really enough. And a lot of people have buried these memories. So that's why they don't even get reported because Mm. it's so deep down. And they don't remember. They don't remember. And then it hits them, you know, when they're 30 or they're 40 and suddenly like the memory comes back and they're not really equipped to deal with it Mm -hmm. at that point. And it can cause honestly complete, you know, um, dysfunction in their adult life. So that's one problem. The second problem problem is that, you know, if we don't talk about abuse, we'd have to talk about dysfunctionality. It's where, you know, the parents are not really able to um, nurture a child the way a child should be nurtured. Mm -hmm. Mm. And it could be for a lot of reasons. I mean, here in the Philippines, in our country, people work abroad. And so most parents are out working and their children are being raised by family members. And of course, you know, families are bigger here. So not every child gets the right amount of attention that they might need for their nurturing. So we have that issue of like, you know, larger families being taken care of by family members and also different generations. So if a grandmother is taking care of the child, Uh, you know, we're talking about different generations and and time has evolved since the time that they were a parent. So we have, you know, parenting styles that might not be really relevant right now to right Mm -hmm. now. So you've got that problem going on. And then you have other problems where it's like, you know, double income families. So both parents may be working even though they're in the same country. And then, you know, our, over here, we're still kind of learning to, to balance that whole work um, and work personal life, life balance. work-life balance. Plus, we've got an issue with traffic. So even if you yeah. have the balance, you're stuck in traffic, so you can't make it home in yeah. time for your kids. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of challenges for people, even like... Um, single parent families. Also, that's a challenge Mm -hmm. for people. So, I mean, in every way, there are these challenges that don't allow parents to be physically or emotionally present with their children. And because of that, you know, the child is reared in an environment that is prone to dysfunctionality. So even if the parent has the best of intentions, Mm -hmm. okay, we all do. We all want to be the best parent we can be. We want to be as present as we can be. But, you know, just think about the fact that we are plugged in digitally and then, you know, you're with your child and the phone pings and then this happens and that happens and, you know, you get, you're distracted as well. Mm -hmm. So all of these just snowball to this 
problem that we're having where most children are being raised in dysfunctional families. <sighs> That's true. You know, the, the past maybe three weeks, I've had this like really nagging feeling that I haven't been paying attention to David mm. or, my, or my kid as much as I should be, like, because I'm constantly on my phone mm -hmm. doing something. Right. Yeah. I mean, working. whether, yeah, it could be working, but then it also could be just like flipping through Instagram, but, but sometimes it's working. Most of the time it's working. I don't <laughs> want to be like a liar yeah. <laughs> and a hypocrite. I'm on Instagram. Um, and it's like, um, I, I keep telling myself, I was like, Monica, you need to put down your phone. Right. Like your son is right there. And like what happens is like, I just like, oh, why don't you go play and do something mommy has to work? Or, mm. okay, yes, sure. You can have like this one hour on your iPad watching your show is fine. But then I, I catch myself and I'm like, wait you need to like connect to him in it. You mm. need to put the phone down. So it's a, it's a, it's a constant struggle for me the past yeah. three weeks. Yeah. Cause I was just like made aware of it. I don't know why I was like, okay, I need to like stop, but it's hard. It's hard. And we're all guilty it's so of it. Hard. It's, it's honestly, it's very difficult, but we have to kind of train our minds that this is important. Like even just the other day I was, I was home and I was with my kids, but I was like, Oh my God, I need to buy wipes and I need to order diapers and I need to, you know, I have all these things I need to get. And it's for them. It's mm -hmm. not, you know, it wasn't even like work at this point. It was like, I need to get these things for their basic needs. needs. Yeah. So here I am on Shopee and Lazada and I'm placing my orders and, you know, like I'm making the payment and all that. And I'm realizing even as I'm doing these things for them, I'm not connecting with my children. Yeah. You know, this should be stuff that I need to learn to do after hours, like after they're asleep. But because our to-do lists are so long, yeah. you know, and we're like, if we don't do it now, we're going to forget. And then mm -hmm. another day is going to go by. So, you know, we're all in the same boat, you know, and we have to kind of stop and just rethink what we're doing. And especially for me, like I see clients on a daily basis that are the grown-up version of this kind of a childhood. Uh -oh. Of course, theirs is a little bit more extreme, but I see firsthand how it manifests in adult lives that are really riddled with all kinds of challenges. And a lot of it is rooted to not getting the proper nurturing, so, love, attention. So Panana, how do we see this in ourselves or see this in, in the people that we're interacting with? Well, like, uh, how do we know that someone is as a result of the dysfunctional childhood <laughs> that he or she had. What are, the, how do they manifest yeah. these traits That's and what kind of traits and how do you deal with them? Yes. Okay. So yeah. of course, that's the most important thing we, we need to understand. So let me start by just explaining how this happens. Okay. So as children, we're supposed to be nurtured. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're and nurtured is not just, you know, physically taken care of. It's obviously emotional needs as well. We're supposed to be appreciated. We're supposed to be praised. We're supposed to be um, understood and encouraged. We're supposed to um, have, we're supposed to feel safe and secure that whatever we do, our parents love us. Okay. But if your parents scolded you or you did something and it wasn't good enough, that already starts, you know, sowing the seeds of that self-esteem that is not, you know, being built in the correct way. So kids are supposed to feel like they're loved no matter what, but because we've all been raised being told what's right and what's wrong, what is expected of us. And for example, if we misbehave, then our parents are upset with us mm -hmm. and that makes us feel like we're not lovable. We don't, as children, we don't see it as like, oh, um, 
we're misbehaving. We see it as they don't love us anymore because of this, you know? And so we start, we start thinking that we have to behave according to their expectation and not like ourselves anymore. So we don't know who we are because we have to now satisfy somebody else's needs. And the problem with that is every parent is looking for their like perfect child to show up. They want, you know, their child to be like quiet, sitting down, eating properly. You know, you want your child to, um, you know, wait for you to have free time to ask you a question. You don't want to be interrupted, <laughs> right? Not going to happen. You want, you want your child to yeah. say like, Guilty. please and thank you. Mm-hmm. You want your child to be this perfect version. Like every mother dreams of that. Mm-hmm. And so we're constantly in this endeavor to raise these perfect children. But if you understand anything about child psychology, Children are, they they move in stages, you know, they develop. So you can't expect a two-year-old to sit quietly on a table. They just don't have the maturity in their brain to do that. Like it's actually physiological. Or like a little boy. A little boy has a lot more testosterone than a little girl. So you cannot expect a little boy to behave like a good little girl. It's not going to happen because they've got these hormones in their brain. And do you know a child has the same level of testosterone as a 14-year-old boy? No way. Yes. (laughs) Can you imagine? Aww. So obviously they're not they're not really in that ready tiny body. In yeah, that they tiny have body. the same testosterone. That's why they're and rough. That's right? why they're rough. They're rough and tumble. And, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I've learned that I got to put my kids in the park. Like, I got to yes. really like they got to just release. get it out. You yeah. know what I mean? If not, they're going to be antsy at home. Mm. So they need that outlet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and it's different with like girls. I mean, they need to run and play as well, but. Girls just, their hormones are different. Their hormones are like estrogen. Their hormones are like, you know, they're softer. They're more, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're calmer than these raging testosterone-based hormones. <laughs> you know, this whole time I'm thinking, okay, not Juliana. Juliana <laughs> not Jelly's daughter. <laughs> Jelly's daughter's all over the place. We love her so much. <laughs> not my baby. She's a tornado. <laughs> but that's a personality thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's a personality thing. And, you know, I was like that too. Yeah. Okay, so I was like right. that too. I was a yeah. I was a wild, high energy child. Mm-mm. But sometimes also high energy children just need to be kind of channeled the right way. Right. And yeah. it you know, it took me till like maybe middle school to realize <laughs> I could channel all my energy into like studying. And I went from being like the bottom of my class to like honor society, just learning to channel my energies in the right way. Okay. So, you know, there's so much to understand about children. And so children are supposed to have this really um, safe upbringing. They're supposed to have their parents love no matter what. And we're supposed to actually understand what they're going through. Now, obviously, most um, most children do not have that kind mm-hmm. of an upbringing. And so what happens is they grow up being adults, but they're stuck in these unresolved, unfinished childhoods. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if your mother kept saying in so many words, you're not good enough. For example, your grades are not A. They should be an A. You got a B. So every time your mother says, well, why didn't you get an A? That's like, oh, I'm not good enough. Okay. Mm. And so then you start developing this kind of feeling that you need to be a certain way or you need to reach a certain standard or you're not good enough. And, you know, just look at what's happening with schools. There are some schools that are already dropping this idea of, of grading. Yes. And, you know, the more mm-hmm. progressive schools are like, mm-hmm. well, every child is unique and mm-hmm. they have different strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And it's not about, you know, the high test grade anymore. It's about, you know, raising 
really complete individuals. Exactly. We're supposed it. to look yeah. at them as a whole. So, Mm-mm. I mean, we're learning as as a, a population. We're learning, you know, in, in so many ways. But um, these children grow up and because they weren't loved enough or appreciated or they were never told that they're amazing. They were never told they were good enough. You know, like my parents never said things like, oh, you did a good job or you're such an amazing child because they thought I'd grow up and be like, you know, self-absorbed or (laughs) arrogant or like, you know, I would have an ego. So they never told me I was good. You know, they never told me like what I was doing was right. And we're supposed to tell our children that they're doing the right thing. We're supposed to teach them to understand, you know, what is the right direction in life. But sometimes can't you, some people go overboard with that too much affirmation. Like, like, oh, you're the best. You're the best. You're the best. Unfounded praises. But then maybe, because where is it like, where will they strive harder like, you know, like, let's say, let's say um, I'm, I'm playing a, a thumb war game with yes. David and then I let him win all the time and he thinks he's the best at thumb war. But then when he plays with his dad, his dad will beat him <laughs> and then da- David will be like, oh, man, what? No, I'm the best. Remember? So yeah, how do you balance that? <laughs> well, I think I don't think there's any such thing as too much, too much? praise. Okay. Um, but I think that you should balance it with like teaching them in the right way, Mm -mm. you know, like for example, maybe don't let him win all the time because in real life, he's not not going to win win all the the time, time, you know? So I, I always praise my child for a a job well done. Okay. You know, like I don't do false praise. I think the problem is false praise. There, Yeah. You know, so So you need to reward your child with praise Mm -hmm. when they're doing, when they're doing good things. Yeah. And then when they're doing things that might not really be the best kind of behavior, you need to explain to them Mm -hmm. and help them process how they can do it a different way. Mm -mm. Like they need to, they need to, you know, be shown. Right. And one of the things that I think a lot of people also miss out is the modeling because children are modeling their behavior on us, you know? And like, for example, I was telling my, I was having this conversation with my husband because the way he's raised is he was told and kind of in a a strict way or scolded when he did something wrong. So when he does that with my son, it teaches my son anger because anytime someone is angry at you, it creates anger within you back. Yeah. And so the nature of the child now is to rebel. Mm. I'm a bad child anyway. Let me just prove it. So they actually start to prove that they are that child that you have now programmed them to be because yeah, yeah, you've pegged them. You've just, basically said, this is what you are. So they start behaving that way, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I have to, I I actually had to talk to my husband and say, you know, you can't do that with him because it teaches him anger, you know? So you actually have to talk to him in a very even tone. It shouldn't be different from any other conversation. You can be more firm, but you can't, you shouldn't be raising your voice because then automatically physiologically in his brain there's like cortisol and adrenaline and all these hormones rushing and that actually makes his heart pump more and he's under stress Mm. and when you're under stress then those negative emotions come in so just the tone of voice will actually create stress in the child's body and then they're not listening to you by the way the minute you've got like cortisol and adrenaline rushing through the body the child cannot process what you're saying to them they like literally blank out and you're like, and then you're like, I just got angry at you yesterday. How come you didn't listen? They couldn't because they were under stress. Does that go well with, I mean, does that also apply to adults? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. 
So totally in the workplace, if you have a boss who's like constantly like yelling at someone or like really scolding the person, their brain like freezes. Shuts down. Yeah. And so they can't hear you. They can't hear anything you said. And so, yeah, the boss, you know, releases all their anger and frustration, but the employee is actually in a state of like shock and stress and they didn't learn anything. So they're just going to repeat exactly what they did, which, you know, got them in trouble in the first place. Um, I have a question for Sanaya. Um, There was an article that was released, I think, this year, and it said that uh, children are emotionally stuck at a time when they feel least loved by their parents. Absolutely. So my question is, it's impossible for a parent to catch every moment Mm. where their child would feel unloved. It's just... Life is too long and we have so many moments in it that you can't possibly be perfect at catching each moment. No, you can't. What is a parent supposed to do? Well, here. Say, yeah. Yeah. What, so, what can a parent do to, I guess, safeguard, you know, uh, put, put, a, put, put some sort of um, uh, mechanism in your brain to catch the moment where you might have said something hurtful to your child or... Yeah. What, what can a parent do? See, the, the best thing you can do is lay the foundation. So if your child constantly knows they're loved and appreciated and valued and that they're amazing, then they're less likely to have that moment. So they may have moments where, you know, you're not present for certain reason. Okay. Or, you know, they witness something in the family that might be a little bit traumatic for them. If they know they're loved, they can talk to you about it and you can recognize what's going on in their space and help them work through it. Okay. And as long as they, their foundation is built upon the feeling of security and safety and they're nurtured otherwise in their life, then those other moments don't seem to be those really big ones anymore. They don't, it doesn't create as much of an impact. No, it doesn't create that charge in their brain. Because it's you know? like the backdrop of their childhood is love. And yeah, exactly. there are just some things that happen. But if your background is love, they will always fall back on it. Is exactly. That like as an adult, right? If you love yourself and if you generally have good self-esteem, you're going to go through a lot of things in your life, but you won't completely undo all of that. You know, that's already who you are. That's the core of your, of your being. So no matter how difficult things get, you're not going to like, you know, turn on your own self or, you know, you'll handle it. You might get sad and you might feel bad about something, but you'll get over it. You got it. Like it won't be a major, you know, crippling issue in your life. And then you're going to have a breakdown or something like that. That won't happen because you have, you know, you have self-love and you have that conviction and belief in yourself and you know, you can get through things. So what we need to do is teach our children that they, they are loved. And no matter what, you know, as a parent, you love them anyway. Like even if they behave badly, you love them, but you're going to still teach them that what they did might have been hurtful to somebody else. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had to be mindful of my choice of words with Juliana ever yes. since. You know, I, I came across an article and from the classes, instead of saying you're naughty, I would say you did Something, something that naughty. was naughty. Yeah. So it's not her. Yeah. I'm not attacking her as a person. It's the action. Yes. I've really had to be mindful because it's so quick. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd be quick to say, Ang kulit mo. Yeah. And she really is. <laughs> you know? But I had to really change it and say, Baba, I love you, but 
you don't do this. Yes. You know, I don't like what you did. Yes. Not, I. It's not that I don't like her. It's what she did. did. Exactly. I really had to emphasize that because I was made aware of yeah. how important our words are. Yeah, because you have to separate the behavior and the person. Yeah. Whereas for us, the behavior and the person is usually the One same, the same. Thing, right? <laughs> like you did this wrong. Uh-uh. But in this case, you really have to separate the behavior. And I do exactly that, Jelly. I tell my son, you know, I really love you. And no matter what, I love you. But mm. this hurt another child or if you do this to your nanny then that's that's not very nice that's kind of hurtful how would you feel Mm. if someone did this to you yeah you know and so we really have to make sure we never tell the child that something is wrong with them because children are literal right as an adult we can interpret things yes but children are going to hear exactly word for word what you say even if you meant something else Mm -mm. Yeah. Okay. Like even I had, I had this conversation with my husband as well. He's like, I was telling him about how he scolded our son and, and I, I think it was a bit too harsh. And he said, yeah, but you know, he knows I love him. And I said, children's brains don't work that way. You know, it's not like, well, nine out of 10 times my father's really loving. And one time he really scolded me. It's okay. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. You actually have to show up as a responsible parent all the time. You know, you can't be like, oh, I had <laughs> well, a bad day. <laughs> Show up as a responsible parent all, all the time. Look, sometimes you get so angry, right? It's like, ah, how do you remind yourself to bite your tongue? Go to a different room. Uh, Breathe. You know what I mean? Like, I, I've had to do this with myself, too. I had to correct myself. Or let's say I think I handled a situation really badly with my child today. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's not the end of it. I went back when he was going to bed. And I, and I told him, you know, what I think he should have heard from me. And I didn't get to teach him that because I was so busy being annoyed or upset about something. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I went back and I corrected and I said, you know, I want you to know, I think you're amazing. You are such an amazing boy. You are such a kind person and I love you no matter what. And, you know, sometimes I say things to you because I want you to grow up to be a person that you're going to be happy with, you know? So I'm just trying to teach you, but you are amazing. And I remember this night when I did this, he had tears in his eyes and he like snuggled into me and he's like, thank you. (laughs) I love you too, mama. So like, you know, I, it it touched him, you know, because that whole day he was being really, really naughty. Mm -mm. And he was kind of like being a little bit mean to his little brother. He was acting out with the yeah, yeah. I mean, he was just not himself this one day. And I felt like one after another, I had to keep telling him like, Suri, mama's saying it again. You shouldn't be doing this. Don't play with these things. This is not safe, whatever. And then at the end of the day, I realized this poor kid, the whole day, all he heard was that whatever he was trying to do was Was not right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and then I had to correct myself and say, no, that's not the way I choose to parent. And I had to go back and just tell him how amazing he is and how he is accepted by me no matter what, but that, you know, he can be a better listener. Mm. And all I am asking him to do is be a better listener. Mm. And then I noticed like that whole, like for the rest of the night while I was with him and then, you know, it showed up in the next few days is he was just a much better listener. Mm. So children learn better when they do things for you out of love, you know, because they want to be the, the good child mm-hmm. to you, you know, they don't want to be a bad child. 
They don't want to, you know, be scolded and stuff like that. But if you do that, then we make them that. We make them that child that never listens. We make them that child that, you know, um, is always being scolded. So we have to change that and we have to actually tell them what we want from them. So I also tell him the behaviors that I want him to be. Like I say, you're such a kind boy. You know, and then that makes him kinder. So I program him with what I want him to be. True. You know, like you're such a good listener. Mm -mm. Like, look, right now you're listening so well. This Ah. is what I like. I'm like, so, you know, this is so nice. You're listening. Look at how nicely you're taking care of your brother. So positive reinforcement. Mm, That's nice. You know, so we're like, yeah, we're focusing on the behavior we want him to do more of. What you appreciate, appreciate. Yeah, exactly. That's right. You know, I, I was listening to a podcast. It's about parenting as well. And um, uh, what what this lady recommended was that it's impossible for us to always be um, balanced and calm because everyday life happens. Right. Mm. And so she had found herself scream. I mean, uh, being a little bit curt to his to her child, like the child was uh, banging on something and she was trying to do something. Yeah. And then something in her just remembered that maybe. She should focus on telling the child that she is seen. So what she did with her child was yeah. she said, oh, you're banging the, the table again and I can't work. What is it? it? Are you feeling bad? Is that what it is? Do you want attention because mama's doing something? And so when I heard that, and it's a lot like what you said, a lot of it is when we, when we make the child feel seen yeah. for who they are, for their behavior or misbehavior, we reflect it back to them and they can make the changes. Yeah. But we can't do that if we're not calm. Exactly. And I find myself having, after after three kids, <laughs> just really agitated mm. 70% of the time. But when I heard that podcast, it, it changed my attitude towards Cooper. And ever since we moved here to Utah, he and I have been a lot closer because... It's like what you said, you just show the child who they are. You have to show them who they are as you see them. Mm. And then they will make, they, you're right, they will gravitate towards the good side of them. Yeah. If we let them and if we don't like judge them and jail them for one behavior that yeah. they did wrong. Correct. And we and need to direct them. I remember them. one time that uh, with Cooper, I had, I snapped at my husband in front of the three children. And it was so wrong of me. It was out of line. I was operating on something that happened hours and hours ago. And I was so ridden with guilt, but I said, there's no time for this. Mm-hmm. And so when we were alone with, I was alone with, with Cooper, I told him, you know, and, and, and Parker, I said, you know, what I did was wrong. Daddy does not deserve that from me. And that mm-hmm. was not right. Mm-hmm. And I apologized to him. And I hope, you know, that that's not the way to treat others. And you're mm. right. It's not like one moment and then it's gone and then you're doomed. Yeah. There's a way to repair. Correct. There's a yeah. way to go back. Right. And clear it up. And I guess that gives every parent enough room to feel like, okay, I may not get it right the first, first time. time around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But maybe in the second round, I'll get it right. Absolutely. And you have multiple chances. Yeah. You know, you can, because that's what makes us better human beings. You know, when we go back and correct the things that we know should not have happened that way, you know, we, we are supposed to actually learn and then reapply ourselves to doing it better. That's the process of learning. 
I've had to apologize to Juliana numerous times lately. Every time I lose my cool, mm. and when I'm at a point where and I just really want to scream at her, I just stop talking. And she knows that the minute <laughs> I stop talking, I'm really furious. But once I've calmed down, I would apologize to her and you know explain my side and explain why I got really angry. And she ends up crying and we're hugging. So I see how my emotions really affect her. Yeah. This four-year-old, you know, she really gets affected when we fight. And I would see her go through lengths to try and make me smile. Aww. And when we're okay, she would explain that, um, you know, it, it's afterwards, like hours after, she would also apologize for what it was that she did. So mm. I realized they are aware. Of course. Yeah. They, they really know what's going on. And I think for you especially, because, you know, I, I was there, like, being a single mom and raising a daughter, mm. it's difficult because you're both female and you've yeah. got these emotions right. that just, like, like carry you out to sea sometimes. Yeah. And then you have to, like, keep it in check. And then I'm, it's good that you can actually articulate that with Drew. Yeah, um, you know, in any which way, you know, crying or fighting sometimes. Yeah. Oh, we get both. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also really beautiful because when you have like a mother and a daughter, your daughter is really a reflection of so much of you, yeah. you know? And a lot of times like our kids are our childhood self. Yes. You know, they are just <laughs> the mirror of who we were as children. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I look at my child and I say, you know, this is how I was. I'm not going to do what my mother did. I'm going to do it differently because I learned, mm. you know, I learned that when my mom was strict with me, I would just rebel. <laughs> and so if you're that kind of a child, then the last thing you need to do is push your child because they're going to push back. Mm -mm. And, you know, we create the behavior in our child. So if we are dominating, we're going to have children that are either going to be complete pushovers or they're going to really be fighters because mm. they need to react to you. You know, you become sort of the, um, the standard that they respond to, mm -hmm. you know? So, and, and so the other thing that we need to understand is one that we need to give our children that safety and security and nurturing. And when we don't get to, our children grow up to be adults with negative childhood traits. So negative childhood traits means, you know, they, they're whiny, they're complainers, um, they're competitive, they, are, um, they think about themselves only, they don't think about other people, they don't consider other people. And so you've got these adults who are actually behaving like children because they didn't get that nurturing, appreciation, love, support. And so they keep manifesting their childhood traits into their, their adult behavior and then they affect everybody around them. So you're actually in a relationship with a child because that adult didn't get to grow up. They're still stuck like, there. They didn't get to run that course. Exactly. Oh. It wasn't they didn't fulfilled. Get to finish it. Yeah, they didn't finish it. Yeah. They didn't let it. Oh. They didn't let it like complete. Mm -mm. And so now they're incomplete. Mm. You know? And so until they get that appreciation, that nourishment, the nurturing, the encouragement as an adult, mm -mm. they don't get to finish their childhood stage. Is it too late? Can we can you still correct that Absolutely. even as an adult? Adult. So a lot of my healing sessions mm -hmm. are like children who need to be finished. You know, their stage, their childhood stage needs to be completed. And so I kind of help them kind of close that chapter so they can grow up and be adults. Because, <laughs> you know, if you're in a relationship with a child, mm. first of all, a child, like 
I'll talk from a female perspective. So if you're dating a man who is a, you know, unresolved child, he's going to have commitment issues. He's going to have difficulty expressing himself. He's going to think more of himself than of you. Um, he's going to be, for example, angry a lot, throw tantrums, maybe not consider your feelings, maybe not be so sensitive to you. You know, so all of these things are manifesting in the relationship and we don't understand they're only that way because, you know, they didn't get that kind of childhood that they should have gotten. And we've noticed, like I've noticed, and so have my other healers at my center, that when we resolve that, these adults become real adults. They become responsible. They become, you know, compassionate. They become respectful of other people. They become like individuals, you know, who are good human beings. And they can't be if they're children because they're, it's like they don't have that maturity to process right. what you need from them as an adult. So they're literally just stuck at this yeah. stage. Yeah. <laughs> and they think that's what an adult is. Someone yeah. who sees a need and mm-hmm. fills it themselves. Right. Which a child cannot do. Yes. So a grown up can be a child inside and ask for other people to fill that need. Mm-hmm. But how many times have we talked, maybe we have been that woman who cries for someone to love them for who they are and not mm-hmm. abandon them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they're all grown up. And because they put it on somebody else, there's a need in them. And they only look at the solution coming from someone because they're still acting like the child who can't take care of themselves mm-hmm. in that way. Yeah. And lots of I other traits it. can develop like the fear of rejection, fear of being unloved, fear of being alone. Like all of this it's is coming from enough. childhood. Yeah, not being good enough, fear of not being like acknowledged, fear of um, of speaking up. This is all coming from, you know, a childhood where they didn't get that support. Sanaya, just for the benefit of all of our listeners, can we explain how it manifests, say, in your circle with friends? Mm-hmm. How it manifests, you know, the childlike behavior with friends in the workplace, and in a relationship. Just so people can tell, ah, that's he or she is the way they are because of the childhood. So for example, like with friends, how can we tell a friend has an unfulfilled childhood? Okay, so first of all, there are three stages. So there's the child stage, there's the adult stage, and then there's a sage stage, which is the highest stage to be at. Now, children, when they are, when they're, when they're real children. So life is about friends. You know, it's about uh, sticking up for your friend. It's about loyalty to each other. You know, you're like gossiping with each other. That's all like childlike behavior. Like that's what we did when we were teenagers. But a lot of adults are still doing that. (laughs) And so that will tell you right away (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's childlike behavior. Mm. So if you have friends around you and they're really needy, Or like you don't talk to them for a week and now they're like upset with you. Or like you don't call them back and then they get angry at you. You know, when they like, when you have friends that get angry at you, that get upset with you, that complain to you or they whine. Exactly. (laughs) So that will tell you already that they are children in adult bodies, you know, and gossip and they gossip and they backbite. And there's this whole thing of like, you know, if you're my friend, you'll stick up for me. Mm -hmm. Or why didn't you tell me what this other person said about me? Mm -hmm. Okay. Like adults still do that. (laughs) And you know, that's, that's the unresolved child Mm. in them. That's making them behave that way. Okay. And you know, this whole idea of like clicks and like the mean girls and the popular girls. I mean, as adults, that's still happening. Yes. So those are unresolved children. 
Oh. Okay. So if you have people where you're surrounded by friends and you're always counseling them, you're always like, you know, on the phone with them and helping them with their problems. That means you're an adult and you're raising children around you. Because that's what adults do. We raise children. Mm -hmm. And so if you're in this adult stage, you're going to be surrounded by children. And you need to actually also move forward and recognize that you're attracting children because you have that. Because adults, what they do is they, they raise real children and they raise their employees around them and they raise their friends. Okay. And through Theta Healing, we understand, like, if you take a class, we don't really want to be in the adult stage either. We want to be in a sage stage where we don't have to raise people around us as children. So the sage stage is where you just accept everyone for who they are. There's a lot of tolerance. There's a lot of respect, a lot of compassion. Mm -hmm. Life is actually not about having tons of friends. It's about having those few chosen people in your inner circle. You may not have a lot of people who you're very close to because you don't need it. Mm -hmm. You're not really depending on them for, you know, support or or nurturing or to make you feel like you're good. Or like a lot of people say, you know, like their friends make them feel that they are, you know, worthy. Worthy. Mm. Mm. And so that's really that child stage. Because an adult will already start focusing on family, Mm -hmm. focusing on kind of their purpose in life. The sage is doing their purpose. The sage is all about like, you know, I love everybody. I'm not, I don't need to be so like strict about everything, but I do what's morally right in every situation. So the sage is kind of like, you know, the wise person already. They're not getting stuck in the drama. The adult might still be in the drama of life. You know, they Mm -hmm. may still have lots of these child people around them, Mm -hmm. but you can grow up as an adult and you can start to attract more responsible people around you like adults. Now in the workplace, it works that way too. So if you have a lot of employees, they're never on time. You know, they're always calling in sick. They always have some issue or the other. They're, they've got this drama or, you know, they don't have money or they uh, had a fight with their family member. So they're constantly coming to work distracted, not really present. And these are the kind of employees that aren't really responsible. Mm-hmm. So if they have a deadline on a project, if they're sick, they don't care. You know, they're not going to worry about, oh, I have to be at work because there's a deadline and other people are depending on me. So you can actually be someone as um, you're you're actually you've hired a lot of children in your workplace. And so you're constantly having to manage these people. It's very tiring. Mm -hmm. So if you're a boss and you have childlike employees, managing them is going to take all your time. (laughs) Because they are full of drama. And there's going to be, you know, office politics, backbiting. You know, there's going to be like cliques within the workplace. Mm -mm. This is all child behavior. I see. But if you have adults working for you, they're responsible. They'll show up to work. You know you can count on them and depend on them. You know that if you give them something to do, they're going to do it. You know, these are people that you want to have working for you because they understand your vision and they're not doing it just because, you know, they, they want to, they want to make money. They're actually doing that job because they like it Mm -hmm. because, you know, they're satisfied in some way or it, it, you know, helps them reach a larger goal in their life. Okay. A child actually can't. Yes, go ahead. My first question was, how do you become, how do you attract people like that? Mm -hmm. But my second question is, is it also possible that if you're the adult, you also have a need to nurture and that's what you will attract? Absolutely. So adults will attract children. (laughs) Okay. But if you're an adult who has resolved your unresolved childhood, then you get to move on to start attracting more adults around you. 
Mm-hmm. So it, it's really about healing your own, you know, negative childlike traits, your own behavior. And that will actually go out and pull in people who are a bit more like-minded. So even within the adult stage, you could be the adult attracting people who are children, or you could be the adult now moving into attracting more adults and even sages. So people to uplift you, but in a way that they're not attached to it. Mm-hmm. It's okay. not a need. In it's other not a words, need. It's like um, they just show up because they're in the same energy or 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 yes. yeah frequency as you do. Right. And they're not forcing you or pushing you to be better. You know, they kind of say, right. well, if you want to be, you can be, <laughs> you know, it's your choice. Like a sage would be like, well, I can help you. If you want to take the help, it's your, it's your choice. Mm. If you don't want to, and you want to be where you're at, that's also okay. That's true. You're accepted anyways. Mm-mm. That's kind of a sage mentality. But the adult will be like, no, I want you to be better. <laughs> I want you to be, you know, a better person. I want to help you. I want to be there for They're you. They're invested. They're invested. They're attached. It's like they need to be a good parent Mm-mm. to their friends. Right. You know what I mean? Also because <clears throat> as an adult and they have um, childhood issues they haven't resolved yet, they're also overcompensating for those childhood issues, right? Because they never got the nurturing, they never got the love. That's why they're trying to do that for others because they didn't receive it for themselves. They're trying to make up for what it is that they missed out on. We call that like overcorrection or like compensating for Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And also, you know, adults who didn't get nurtured as children or they didn't get encouraged, they might overdo it for their own child and they don't let their child actually grow up. So they're constantly overprotecting their child. (laughs) So they're, you know, trying to undo what happened in their childhood. Mm. So that's also a manifestation of an unresolved childhood. But when will you know that you're doing it just right? Because after you said it, I got worried that, okay, I might be doing that with my daughter, making up for what it is I missed out on. Mm -hmm. How do I make sure that I don't overdo it. I'm not overprotective. Mm-hmm. I'm not overly praising her. I'm not giving her too much love right. that she's <laughs> crippled or, mm. you know, she doesn't grow her. She doesn't um, build her own spine and toughen up. Yeah. I think when you feel really at peace with what you're doing, then that's like the sage. Like, I know I'm doing the right thing. And if you're not sure, then... Again, just asking yourself those few questions like, am I doing this too much? How is she reacting to it? Like analyzing the situation a little bit, trying to Mm -hmm. see how it's manifesting in her behavior. So, for example, if you feel maybe I'm smothering her too much and then you try to put her in a situation where she should be independent. Mm -hmm. How does she fare? Does she fare well? Does she do well with it or not? You know, so like I look at how my son treats his younger brother. And I noticed that when my son is getting um, lots of encouragement and love from us, he's so loving, so (laughs) sweet to his younger brother. And he's always, you know, looking out for him. He's always like, if my, if his younger brother grabs his toy, he's not going to freak out. But if he's going to, you know, my husband maybe is trying to like discipline him a little bit. And he's under that stress a little bit. I notice he takes it out. He's gonna on take it out his younger brother. brother. Yeah, Del, do you see that with your kids? Your kids? Yeah, I do. <clears throat> um, I, with Cooper, after being here for a couple of months, and our relationship has 
gotten to a point where we're so close again. And it's and the telltale sound for me is Cooper's not really affectionate physically. Mm-mm. But nowadays, like, he wants a hug. Aww. He will not leave the house without mm-hmm. telling me he's going. Wow. He needs a kiss. He Aww. wants me to drive him. And this wasn't... <laughs> Like, it was not the case when we were in Manila. That's true. Yeah. And yeah. Then, yeah. And he's just more, he will help Parker mm-hmm. with whatever he's he's having troubles with. Mm-mm. I see that when we're okay, he's a lot okay with, because he, in his mind, Parker is the one that changed his world. <laughs> oh, that, <laughs> that is true. Of course. Like the oh. kind of movie. Yeah. But he really thinks that even in his... In his um, words, it escapes. Mm-hmm. Like, he'll tell me, Mom, you remember when we went to Batangas? Ganyan, ganyan, ganyan. And then I'll say, yeah, that was just you, me, and Dad. Oh, I miss those days. Parker the is the, the second you child. Know? Yeah, he'd talk like that. So I know that that for him is, is to, a, to an adult, it's like, I know, but it's funny. But when you're that child, it's not funny. It's yeah. hurtful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm, I'm very careful not to make light of it. Mm-mm. Because he, it means something to him that his world was now different from yeah. what it was when mm. it was just the three of us. But yeah, I do notice that when we're okay, he's a lot nicer to to Parker. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, definitely, like kids are acting out from what we are doing to them as well. So I noticed. Um, I noticed with my son, um, he was a little bit more high energy than normal. And coincidentally, at that time, his teachers were telling me that he was a little bit more aggressive in school. And um, so what I started to do is I started to observe. And I started to see, okay, well, what's going on with him? What is he feeling? Where is this coming from? And I started to kind of try to understand what was behind that behavior. And I realized that, you know, he had... um, had a taekwondo competition. It was his first one. And he had actually kicked and broken the board. I think that's like the first uh, first test they do. Mm-hmm. And so he got a medal. I mean, there was only like two of them, so they both got medals. <laughs> but, you know, for him, it's his first medal. Yeah. And he, yeah. he got two medals, you know. Deal. It's a big <laughs> deal. And so suddenly he started to think of himself as this like oh. strong, you know, invincible. Like He broke that board board you know that wooden board like a lot of machismo yeah and so he was kind of taking it out on you know his classmates like he was just a bit more aggressive because that kicking that punching all of that was coming from like wow I won a medal in taekwondo Mm -mm. and so so when his teachers were telling me this and I was I was like, ah, okay, this is what it is. So I explained it to them and they're like, okay, we get it now too, that this is all coming from this new thing that has happened new in his skill. life. Because it was like his behavior had changed like literally in the last two weeks. Oh, wow. And I've actually been away for two weeks. I was teaching in in uh, China and I came back and I said, okay, is he behaving like this because I wasn't there and mm-hmm. he's kind of acting out in this way? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And so just by trying to process and understanding, you know, what was happening? What are the different things that went on in his life? And how is, you know, what what is this behavior coming from? And then I realized, okay, it wasn't me. It wasn't me being away. It was the Taekwondo. So now I knew how to handle the situation. I just started to remind him that Taekwondo is 
you know, for the Taekwondo class. (laughs) And that when we are in our school, we don't do that. You know, and of course, I'm going to go talk talk to his Taekwondo coach and Mm -hmm. remind him to, you know, tell the students that this is only for class, Mm -mm. you know, or for the competition. Mm -mm. And um, the teachers now are alerted as well that when he's doing that, just remind him, Suri, this is not Taekwondo class. This is your classroom. (laughs) And so instead of being like, Suri, you did the wrong thing. Why did you behave this way? You know, instead of like getting mad at him for his behavior, Mm -hmm. now I know how to correct it, how to address it in the right way without even needing to get angry at him or upset or, you know, having a, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about childlike behavior with friends and at the workplace. (laughs) Yes. What about relationships? Okay. So relationships. How do we know we're with a child? (laughs) So a child cannot stay in a long-term relationship. Okay. And usually when they're looking for love, they're looking for very superficial things. So you'll hear a child say like, oh, this person's so hot. I want to date them. Mm. Okay. Like Mm -hmm. they're really into the whole, you know, what people will say if they're dating that person. Ah. So they're, they're interested in the exterior a lot. And they're also like serial daters. Okay. Okay. And they have this like, I'm not ready right now. I'm Mm. not ready in my life. That's, that's the conversation, you know, I'm not ready to, to slow down. I'm not ready to have a commitment. That's all childlike behavior because they don't like to be attached. And also the kind of partner who always wants to be out with friends, right? They always want to go out with their drinking buddies or they're Mm -hmm. always wanting to like, you know, be out and about and socializing. That's child behavior. Mm. What are you lacking if that manifests in you? They didn't feel safe at home that they gravitated towards friends to give them that sense of belonging sense of home or sense of home or sense of like being loved. Mm. Um, And so they just, you know, didn't get it. Yeah. And so they, they feel that they need that from outside of the house. Mm. Um, Sometimes like only children as well. They, if it's just them and their parent and they don't get a time, they don't get a chance to interact with a lot of children when they're younger, Mm. then they will overcompensate as an adult to constantly want to be around people. Surrounded with people. Yeah. Okay. So that's what like, I remember one of my teachers, uh, one of my son's teachers told me that my younger son doesn't really like new people. Right. He does. He, well, my older son will say hello to anybody. He'll be like everybody's friend. He's apparently like the, the pack leader. You know, he gets all his friends in on yeah. his wild, imaginative, like, you know, stories and they <laughs> play it out in class and so on. But the younger one's the opposite. And he's just, you know, really reluctant mm. to say hello to a new person. He's a bit more clingy and so on. And, and so she was suggesting, she's like, you need to give him more play dates. Mm. He needs to kind of like, we need to address this feeling of insecurity he has, like as if he's not safe with other people. Mm-hmm. And so we compensate when we don't get that balance in our life as a child. You know, so if you didn't get, if you didn't feel comfortable with other people, then maybe as you grow older, you will retreat further into your shell or you'll do, do the opposite extreme. You will correct or compensate for what you didn't have mm-hmm. as a child and suddenly need to be the most popular person. So we usually act out in extremes. We'll do the opposite or we will be exactly that, the more extreme version of it when it comes to manifesting our childhood um, insecurities or fears or so on. The Eve's
Drop. Hi, this is the eavesdrop. My name is Fran. Jelly here. My name is Delamar. And hey, if you're interested in business or startups or anything tech related, check out Hustle Share. It's hosted by Ronster. It's part of the podcast network. Again, check it out. Hustle Share. Also part of the podcast network, we've got Dazzers. These guys are dishing out info about the Filipino youth. You want to know about the millennials, how they think, how they talk, you want to understand them, check out Kudazers, also on the Podcast Network. And if you're wanting to keep up to date with what's trending online, locally, and internationally, check out the Halo Halo Show, also under the Podcast Network. Everything and anything under the sun, the Halo Halo Show will take care of that. Delamar, Monica Francesca, Jelly Victor. I think now more than ever, parenting is being seen as something of a serious matter mm. than ever before. Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of articles about parenting, Facebook groups, online. It's it's just more, more, more groups now on parenting than ever before. Yeah. And I was wondering, what do you think all this self, uh, self-examination, self-awareness where do you think that will lead our children? What are we looking at into their future? Like when Julian is 20, when yeah. David is uh, a teenager or my kids are the same age. What do you think, uh-huh. what, what effect do you think will, will manifest in our children as we, their parents, try to understand them better, love mm-hmm. them better, mm-hmm. nurture them better? Yeah. Well, I think we're all hoping for better adjusted children. I think that we want our children to be much more confident. And for me, a big one is self-love and self-esteem. Like those are the two things that I feel if I can give my child that, then they will succeed in anything they choose to do. Because if you love yourself, you'll be very particular about the situations you put yourself in. You know, you will not put yourself in situations where you're disrespected, where you're taken advantage of, where you're betrayed, where, you know, you are put in situations that can potentially um, make life very difficult for you or, you know, put, lead you into depression or anxiety or all these other kinds of negative behaviors that are really manifestations of individuals that don't have self-love, they don't have good self-esteem, you know, they don't have proper um, nurturing, self-nurturing, or even a, a proper support system. So if I could just teach my child how important it is to love themselves and how, you know, I can build their confidence in themselves, then I think they can handle anything in life. Mm-mm. You know, and I think that's one part of our of education that we don't really get to give our children. You know, we're so focused right. on doing well in school and, yeah. you know, we want them to be the top of their class or go to a good school, uh-huh. good college, but we don't really teach them about being good people. Yeah. You know, and I think our world would be a much better place if, <laughs> if we had, you know, a lot more adults and sages running around who cared about other people, <laughs> right. or yeah. more considerate right. about other people. Exactly. You know, I think a lot of you can attest to the fact that there are a lot of people around you who are just really inconsiderate, insensitive, you know, they mm-hmm. don't respect other people. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the norm now. And I think if we all grew up with a bit more of those values, then we would have a much better society. You know, we'd actually care about people around <laughs> us and we'd actually make sure that everyone's taken care of. Um, I, I've heard of a school system where um, the way the classroom is structured is there the 
people who do well in the class are actually very focused on uplifting the people who are at the bottom oh, of the that's class. Wonderful. That's yeah. Nice. And then the class cannot move on unless mm-hmm. everybody moves on. So like nobody's that. allowed to fall behind. I like that. that. Nice. You know? So it's very much like oriented towards helping each other and right. kind of like pulling everyone forward yeah. rather than who's going to be on top who's yeah. going to be the best yeah. so I think we're all raised with like you know we have to be better than the other person yes. I have to and be number one I have to be number one and yeah. you know honestly I can't even fault our society because that's actually based on our survival instinct mm-hmm. like way back you know in caveman days we were all different tribes of people and we realized that the only way we could survive is if we did better than other people Mm -hmm. you know so if one tribe did something and then they all died (laughs) then we had to learn from that and do it better yes and so that superiority came in in our attempt to actually survive better yeah you know we wanted to do better than the other person but that was for our survival we're not you know we're not in those days anymore (laughs) but we are kind of programmed that the only way we can do better we can survive we can grow is if we're better than somebody else and there's also that kind of mindset is that there's not enough for everybody you know there's only one person who can be on top yeah Mm -hmm. and so that kind of mindset will also make us feel like we need to step on other people or we need to be better than them and it shouldn't be that way. We should all obviously recognize that we are all unique. We all have our own skills and talents. And um, we can be good at whatever we want to do because we are passionate about it or it inspires us mm. or it brings us joy and happiness. Nice. Let's I say, like okay, Me so too. I'm a person with unresolved childhood issues. Okay. What can I do? Or... I'm aware that a coworker or a friend has childhood issues that need to be resolved for this person to move on with her life. What can be done? Okay. So for you as a person who's now aware of this, you probably want to move away from people who are exhibiting the childhood behavior because you can't change them. Yes. Okay. And if you're going to stay in that energy, Mm. then you kind of get caught up in that. So you have to move. Mm -hmm. And as you move, more and more people move forward. And these children start to grow up because they're learning from everybody else who's moving on. Oh, that's nice. Okay. So I think we think that we need to fix everyone around us. But we Mm -hmm. don't. We actually just need to move and they follow. Okay, Mm, we're energetically actually connected, Uh for example, to our family, to all the people that we are, you know, ancestrally um, bringing energy from or genetically connected to. So if we move forward, they move too. Okay, whereas I know a lot of people who get into like healing and spirituality and then they want to fix everybody else around them (laughs) and they feel really empowered, like, look, this worked for me. Let me now do it for everybody else. But other people do not want you to tell them what's wrong (laughs) with their life. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people who are on this kind of self-healing journey or self-love journey, they get really disturbed because they want to like fix everybody else Mm -hmm. but you can't fix anyone else they have to come to a point where they feel like they want to move forward they want to change and it's going to happen that's the parent isn't it that's the parent the parent parent wants to constantly nurture the parent wants to raise you but if you're the sage you're just gonna move (laughs) and other people are gonna follow Follow. Uh -uh. they're gonna see 
wait, she's doing something right because she's just so zen all the time. <laughs> she's so calm all the time. She's so relaxed. She's so happy. I want that. And, you know, we get attracted to people whose energy are like better than ours. Yes. Yeah. You know, and so we or the automatically we're aspiring, we're to, aspiring have. to. And so you become like the honey and all the bees get attracted <laughs> to it, you know, and people actually they grow up and they get uplifted just being around you. Mm. You don't even have to actually do anything, do anything. to them. Yeah. Just by being in your energy, Mm-mm. it actually makes them feel better. Right. And as they start feeling better, they can start thinking like rationally because their hormones are a lot more balanced. Because uh-huh. anytime yeah. you're under stress or you're like overanalyzing or you're like not feeling good about yourself, yes. there's a whole flood of hormones in your body that affects your ability to think rationally. Mm-mm. That's you true. Know? I, le- I think I learned that earlier on. Like I had like um, a, a few friends who were pretty toxic, you know, and then that's why you say like, OK, you need to leave those toxic people you behind. Mm. You really do. And that's exactly what it is. And I think I'm fortunate that I was like, OK, I mean, I probably wasn't aware that I was doing just that. Mm-hmm. But you've you know, had enough. Yeah. You got to like I got to leave you. Well, you're yeah. not you're kind of bringing me down here. Exactly. <laughs> kind of like a bummer. It, it, I think it, I think that mm. it it's. It's like that uh, when you ride an airplane, right? And then they tell you, okay, when the masks drop, put one on yourself first. Mm-hmm. Before That's helping what others. It is. Yeah. To take care of yourself because yeah. you're not looking at other people's faults. Yeah. Right. You're looking at your own, and that's a more powerful example to everybody. Yeah. I'm, just as Sanaya was talking, I realized that I have sages in my life around me. Mm-hmm. And one of one of them has been my friend since I was, I would say, 16. Mm-hmm. And she was only one year older, but she was wise beyond her years. And her example on how she lived her life, uh, even to this day when I'm 46, I look back and most of the things that she told me, I just wasn't ready to hear it. Yeah. But at some point in my life, I remember and I go, yeah, she said that. Right. One of the things that I remember she told me was she had visited me at the station and she had seen me interact with people. And then she said, she just looked at me and she said, you know, you're very, you, you become attached to people <laughs> and that will be something of a struggle. Mm. And I didn't understand where she was coming from, where it was, what was that about? Mm. And then fast forward to how many years later, a decades later, it's exactly what she said, yeah. that the source of my sadness or struggle or whatever that was I was going through was just being attached to people and them not reciprocating that kind of attachment. Yeah. And it was such a powerful thing because so many things clicked into my head. I was like, she was looking at me for who I was. Mm. She was telling me what I needed to hear. And maybe I wasn't ready yet that right then and there. Yeah. But at some point in my life, I will be ready and I will receive the words. Mm. And, and so clicks. I know for a fact that she listens to the podcast. <laughs> and she had told me um, just uh, last Friday, she said, you know, whenever I go to the gym and I have me time, I listen to the podcast. <laughs> and it's fun because there's always something to learn. And she talked about um, your, the episode where we had you first. Mm-hmm. And then also she appreciated the laughter and, and, and I'm glad that in my own way, I'm kind of a sage to her at this point. Yes, <laughs> I was going Absolutely. to say, Del, the reason you're surrounded by sages in your life is because you are one yourself. Yeah. You know, you've moved oh, wow. on from being an adult and you're 
becoming a sage. Mm-mm. And that's the, the wisdom that you share here in the podcast. Yeah. And you know, that's Del, such a lovely thing to say. My Del, gosh. You I'm said something. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you needed to hear it, Del, and the message is Aww. right there. Right. Del, you said something interesting too. It's um, so adults, by the way, have expectations of others and they're often disappointed. That's really an adult thing. Mm. Like we hold expectations of all these people and they come from our attachments. And when they don't deliver, because of course nobody knows what's going on in our minds. And so when they don't deliver as an adult, you get disappointed. Our expectations of them. Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. And that causes a lot of pain. Usually in relationships, (laughs) too. We have expectations of our partners, and when they don't deliver... You get hurt or betrayed. And so being a sage is saying, well, I don't really need to have expectations of anyone. Nobody owes me anything. Anything. Mm -mm. You know? My children don't owe me anything. My partner doesn't owe me anything. I'm not entitled to anything. I'm not entitled. And I respect that everybody comes from their own point of view and they may not share my beliefs about things. Mm -hmm. So therefore, how can I expect them to fulfill my needs? Mm -hmm. Only I can do that. So kind of moving into that sage mindset is no longer having expectations, no longer being attached, just letting go. I love that sentiment because as you're talking about it, I feel gratitude Mm -hmm. towards the people who are in my life. Because when you expect some certain things from people, it's like a, it's like a contract that's binding. Mm. Yeah. And you will punish them if this contract is not fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you say you, you don't owe me anything, immediately whatever they give you is such a joy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Already. Yeah. And I, I love, it gives me a feeling of, of freedom to move around, not being constricted by my own expectations of other people. Yeah. Whether that's your husband or your children or your friends. And just knowing that, again, the mirror has to be pointing at you. Hmm. You really can't be looking at others and their faults. That's what I'm taking away from this podcast. Like mm-hmm. We acknowledge that there's a child in all of us that never grew up. And some have already gotten to a sage stage, as you might call it. But the real work is not in correcting others. The real work is just taking care of yourself. And when mm-hmm. you do that, the energy that you exude will will help people in its own way. And maybe even more powerful. Because whenever somebody tells you what to do, Immediately you're saying no. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> your, your, your knee-jerk reaction is no. Yeah, you go into defense mode. Yeah. <laughs> or kind right. of like a Juliana's reasoning with me. Mama, I do listen. I just don't follow. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you. I just don't want to do it. <laughs> At least she's honest. Yeah. And you know, you have to respect she has a choice, right? I know, I know. Oh, it just gonna, makes me laugh. I'm going to, when we when we review this podcast, I want to take down notes because it's so eye-opening, you know, especially like if if we go back to um, children in your workplace, because yeah. I'm the boss. Yeah. And I remember a few years ago. I saw ago, your reaction. Yeah, because like a, a few years <laughs> ago. Jenny. It's like, I was so angry before uh, maybe because I also didn't know what I was doing mm-hmm. so it was I was so angry and then when I learned to shift that and be able to deal with the people better I found that I was able to weed out 
the really bad elements that yeah. uh, that were in my work for like under me and then and then I was able to attract people who were like-minded yeah and who um parang followed my work ethic and we shared it not followed but we shared the same work ethic and so the crew or the team that I have with me now it's like really solid yeah you know even and it, it still trickles down to the the kitchen crew too because they're great before they were so problematic I mean you hear people who are in like the food and beverage industry or or they they say um like finding crew is hard because like either they're like that they're irresponsible they're they're always absent they're always late they're, it's always problematic Problem. mm. always no and you can't you can't get rid of it but it has lessened considerably like after I kind of made that shift now stop being really angry stop being this aggro mm, person boss. yeah and like learn to kind of deal with things in a different way yeah so right? you started to grow up as yes. you know as a boss yeah. and that made a lot of the difference because as a um, employer <clears throat> you will also attract employees based on your level of involvement yeah so I was attracting a lot of children in the beginning when I started my business mm-hmm. because you know I'm a healer. I right. want to like help heal. the world. You heal you know? everyone. <laughs> I want to heal everybody. And really, I was bringing a lot of employees who needed a lot of healing Mm-mm. to the point where I was like, you know, my employee would come in with like a toothache and I'm doing a healing <laughs> for them, you know, while they are supposed to be making my coffee. So, you know, I was really attracting a lot of children yeah. in my life. Yeah. And, um, and I had to learn and I had to realize that, you know, that's not really going to work for me in the workplace. Exactly. You know, where I heal people is in my healing sessions I shouldn't be healing you know yeah because that's not the right way to do it either Mm -mm. you know Mm -mm. and so as I started to work on my own unresolved childhood tendencies I noticed that the children who were in my workplace actually started to resign or you know some other opportunity came Mm -hmm. or I was able to retool them and move them into something Mm -hmm. else which kind of worked better Mm -mm. and so Everyone in my workplace sort of shifted with me. Yeah. And I started to attract employees who were really responsible. Yeah. You know, who really like would come into work and know what they needed to do. And I didn't have to like constantly look over. Right. You didn't no more micromanaging. Yeah, no more yeah. micromanaging. And I don't even like micromanaging. Yeah. But I learned in the beginning, oh, you have to kind of micromanage here because, you know, they, they don't necessarily, your employees won't understand mm-hmm. what you need. And for me, there's a cultural difference and so on. And also the industry I'm in, I'm really creating kind of something that didn't exist before, at least when I came exactly. here like eight or nine years ago, yeah. it was really new to do well-being and wellness and so on. And so what I, what I noticed is as they shifted, everything just became so much smoother and easier. I didn't really have to tell people, you know, mm-hmm. what to do or have to keep, you know, checking on them. They were just really responsible because they're all adults now. Yeah. And I have a manager who, for me, she's a sage. And having a sage who's managing everybody mm-hmm. really helps because, you know, she doesn't get into their drama. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, she's just the right kind of support system for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And she's very compassionate. And so this makes a very big difference for my ability to do what I need to do, which exactly. is to really heal people and yeah. teach them. Um, another thing that I, I wanted to add, actually, is as someone who's now becoming more aware, so all the listeners and, of course, all of you, as you're listening to all of this, um, there are some things that we can do to actually help other people, which 
may not be raising them, but maybe just helping them sort of kind of move forward with you a little bit. And that is to give them what they didn't get. Mm -hmm. So if you have somebody that you know didn't get love or appreciation or you see it in their childlike behavior, then what you can do is sort of tell them, you know, I really appreciate you. You know, like you're doing a great job. Mm. So when I have employees that I see, you know, they're adults, but they still have some of that unresolved childhood stuff. I mean, everybody does. Mm -mm. Right. So I kind of identify what I see is their weak point or their lack. And I give that to them. So there's some people I know I have to tell them, you know, you're really good. At what you're doing. Ah, okay. And I really appreciate what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Give and them the validation. Give them that the validation. And I did that when I when I learned all of this and I started working through my own um, my own stuff. I noticed that the people around me had the same sort of challenges. And my little brother actually um, is a very, very successful uh, hedge fund owner in New York City extremely um, hardworking, driven. You know, he's really just someone who has made a huge success of him. And he's three years younger than me. Mm -hmm. But I know that he never really got recognized as a child. And I know he never got appreciated because it wasn't, you know, the parenting style of my parents to keep affirming what we did well or praising like we didn't really get that right so I know that part of the reason my brother works so hard Uh is to get that validation and that recognition Mm -hmm. from outside of him and of course that's worked for him really well because he's a huge success but there's all that stress underneath the surface because it's coming from a place where I subconsciously am looking for recognition Mm -hmm. and validation Mm -hmm. and so when I when I met him um, recently I just made such a point of telling him you know we really appreciate you like I just want you to know you are amazing like what you've done is amazing like you're really a credit to our family like you've really done so well I am so proud to have you as my brother And, you know, like, of course, he will not admit to it, but like his (laughs) eyes were tearing, you know, like he'd never heard it so plainly. Right. You know, you've done such a great job. You are amazing and you should be appreciated. You should know that I recognize you. Mm -hmm. Like even telling someone like, I recognize you. I recognize that you did all of this for me. And I want you to know that I appreciate it. Mm -mm. That was, that's the reason why it's such a strong message in Avatar. I see you. I see you. Right. I was about to say, Jelly. Yes. yes. I see you. That's why yeah. I cried in that scene. <laughs> yeah. Because that's really just what people want. Yes. To be seen, to yeah. know that they are seen. Yeah. For who they are. For who yeah. they are. For what they can be to you, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. Just for who they are. Oh, that's so beautiful. And if most of us weren't seen. more relaxed as people, as beings. Mm-mm. Yeah. If we were seen... And that's what we were talking about earlier about uh, being a mirror to our children. Mm -hmm. So if you mirror to them that they're bad kids, that they keep doing the wrong things, they'll believe that. But if you like what what Sinai was talking about, which is, you know, to draw attention to the child and to the behavior, which are two different things. Because a child can be good, but he could have off days. Mm -hmm. And he should see that as well so that when he's doing it, He's aware that he's doing it and that he has a power of choice. Mm-mm. But he's still loved. But he's still loved. He's yeah, still, loved. He still loved. They need to know that even if they're just off that day, they're still loved. 
You know, and I, I remember when I was a kid and I, I was really like, I was really a handful, you know, and I, I really feel bad for my mom because I was one of those really rebellious, high energy children. But it was also because she was really strict and mm -hmm. she was very like dominating with me. So I really fought back. Mm. And so I obviously made life very difficult for her. But I started to think that no matter what I did, I was not you know, the good kid anyways, you know, my brother got away with everything. He was the one who was like, you know, cause he was the quiet kid. He'd go to a swimming pool and fall asleep. Like he just wouldn't trouble my mom. And I was the opposite. So I said, okay, I'm, that's who I am anyways. So that's so what you're I'm going to do. In your child brain, I'm going to roll with this. Yeah, I'll I'm stick with the reputation I already have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why bother changing it? Because this is what <laughs> I'm told I am anyways. So, so I know that I, I recognize that uh -huh. that's what happened in my childhood. Mm. So the bottom line with everything, um, because parenting is so, so scary, right? Or even dealing with people is that you just need to show them love mm -hmm. and respect. Yeah. And then hopefully from there, they learn how to bounce back from bad times. Yes. See, I mean, like when you say it, it's so simple, right? But it's just so sometimes it's difficult for people to do. Because I, we're programmed. Yeah. You know, I, I remember when I first started, you know, teaching my child mm -mm. the right way or, you know, what's right and wrong. I was my mother, you know, <laughs> I was just doing it the way my mother did it to me until I realized, and I was like, wait a minute, that's not how it should be. But, you know, we also kind of get embarrassed. Like if our child misbehaves in public mm. and you feel like, oh my God, it reflects on me. I'm a bad mother. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. my, my child, my, my, my older son, he used to bite <laughs> when he was a kid. And he used to bite other kids. And I was mortified. Yeah. Like, oh my God, uh, what? You know, they must be thinking I'm a working mom, first of all. And then and obviously neglected. I'm not there. And this is my <laughs> neglected child who's like biting other children, you know? So it was like, for me, I'm a bad mom. Mm -mm. But you know, it's not about that. It's actually a phase. And yeah, it's a symptom of something else. But I had to address that something else, you know? And it was something as simple as, you know, my um like other family members like they they like to pinch kids or like tap them or like you know like you know how giggle, they giggle, giggle. right mm -hmm. and so then my son picked it up as a way of affection so mm -hmm. his biting was affection it was oh. it was when he wanted to get accepted or oh. like loved by someone right. you know so somebody took his toy it was like he was feeling like he's out of the circle and so he'd bite to mm -mm. to get that feeling of like you know, I'm back in. yeah, <laughs> it was strange because when I addressed it that way, it stopped, you know, so we have to also disengage from, you know, us being a reflection right. of our child. Okay. We kind of have like to put aside the ego because it really is. It right? is ego. Mm -mm. You have to put aside the ego and yeah. say, okay, well, see, you judge me, but let me just... Yeah. People will judge you anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you just have to disconnect but, from that. But, uh -oh. but it's funny because the real the moms who have seen who have many different ages of children, mm -hmm. when they see other moms with a dis misbehaving child, they're so chill about it. Yeah. They don't judge you as much right. as True. some other parents. Uh oh. don't they've seen it, they've gone through it, and they understand that this is not a sentence, this is just one day of your whole life. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to share. It was um, during the class that I finally understood one particular aspect of my mom that's boggled me for years. Mm -hmm. So my mom is the eldest of 10, and they're not really well off. Um, my Lolo worked, but my grandmother was the hardworking, aggressive one. Like she 
the family was the way it was because of my grandmother. So my mom, being the eldest, would had the responsibility of watching over the other siblings. And she was constantly being told by my grandmother, um, take care of your studies, make sure you study well because you need to graduate Mm -hmm. because you have to take care of the rest of the family. You know, all of your other siblings are going to follow in your footsteps. So she had that pressure on her. Yeah, It was only during the class that I had like an aha moment that, oh, my mother is the way she is because she never had a childhood. Right. Because right. I often wondered, my mother, when you talk to her about her childhood, she hated it. Mm. She hated it with a passion that she was poor, mm-hmm. that they didn't have a toilet, Mm-mm. that they lived um, in a home on stilts, on a river, and the river was their toilet. You know, she she held it against her parents, she hated her childhood. Mm-mm. But when you speak to my uncles and aunts, they're laughing about it. They it was loved a it. fun childhood for them. <laughs> they enjoyed it that there was no actual toilet. <laughs> and, you know, you, you're, you're doing your thing and you see the fish around you. That was, they found that entertaining. <laughs> but you to know? your mom, and My it was... mom, oh my God, she, yeah. Up until this day, she it's hates like night and it day. with a passion. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't understand why. I'm like, it's the same home. It's the same family. Mm-hmm. Why is there such a contrast? And then it was only during the class that I realized it's because my mother never had a childhood. Mm-mm. You know, she, f- um, she had so much responsibility on her shoulders. She couldn't just grow up. Right. Or she couldn't just yeah. play. She had to be the adult. Yeah, she know? had to take um she had to really make sure that she studied and you know she worked hard. My my the young, my younger aunts went on to, you know, do the Santa Cruz and they would be part of beauty pageants <laughs> mm-hmm. in their locality which my mom for my mom, it was a frustration because she's always wanted to be like, you know, to be part Serena. of a beauty pageant. You know, she, <laughs> she feels like she's pretty. Yeah. And how come only the sisters got to go and she yeah. was never allowed to go? Yeah. I finally understood it. Mm-mm, mm-mm. So there, she never had a childhood. And you know, Jill, that happens to a lot of my clients that they had to be little adults when they mm. were children, they were yeah. born adults in many mm-hmm. cases. Mm. Sometimes if the parents are fighting all the time or there's other kind of family drama involving, you know, other relatives or if um, the mother is depressed or the father's depressed or the father's sick or any kind of external situation where the child has to now grow up and be an adult takes away completely from their childhood. Mm. Okay. And when that happens, when the child grows up, they have a lot of negative childhood tendencies because, again, there was no childhood in this case. Mm, you know, before yeah. that childhood even began, right. they were already the adult. Yeah. And so what happens is someone like that, because I was like that. I grew up, I was a child from when I was a kid. And what happened is you become very independent, okay, which is great. I've always been very, very independent. You know, I've always been very driven. So there are a lot of good things that, you know, that happened for me, but there were a lot of negative, negative things because I didn't know how to have fun. You know, as a parent, I'm always like taking care of my children. You know, I'm making sure they have the right food, their clothes, they go to school, you know, their schedules organized. I'm always like doing the organizational work. I'm always like, you know, taking care of them, but I'm never just playing with them and enjoying with them and, you know, just being with them. 
because I didn't know how. Mm. I thought it's all like work, 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 because I've been an adult since I was a kid. I've been handling responsibilities all the time. And so as an adult, I'm also constantly having responsibilities and I don't know how to relax. I didn't know how to (laughs) relax. I didn't know just, you know, how to have fun and like just, you know, put everything away and just, you know, do nothing. I don't Mm. know how to do that. And so once I was made aware of this and I understood and I did the whole healing, I realized that, you know, children want to play with you. You know, they want to have fun. And I have to stop just trying to be the mom and just, you know, have fun with them. And, you know, I really give credit to my husband because he's really good at that. You know, he's like a really fun fun person. Yeah. Yeah. And he's the type of person who really knows how to have a good time. And obviously I, you know, the universe has really conspired to give me that, that right partner because I learned to have fun because of him. Mm. You know, I learned to kind of put an end to that work and just enjoy. I mean, when I married him, I didn't know how to close the laptop during the weekends. Uh. Like it would be on because, you know, I had a healing center in Dubai Mm -mm. and I was already starting my work in Manila when we got married. And, you know, he had to teach me that. (laughs) On Friday, we can shut it down and we don't need to turn it on till Monday. Nice. Like wow. my brain didn't understand that you can do that. <laughs> that it's possible. Or that it's possible it's or that option. that's normal, you know. <laughs> I didn't know how to stop working because I was an adult from the time that I was a child. Wow. Yeah, I see that in my mom because my mom at 27, 27 she had three kids already and mm. living in New York. You know, and I think I see um, a lot of I'm actually as she's very spiritual. She's into yoga. She meditates, too. But then there's certain things that manifest like Byron. I know now, like through this conversation, I can see it like she's really acting out whatever she missed. Yeah. In her Mm. younger years. Mm. Right. And I'm like, okay, okay, mom, (laughs) go ahead, go and do it. And, and, and I'm, I'm really grateful that, that I, I can understand this about her now because we used to fight like horribly, like tooth and nail, like, you know? So, but now like I've come to a really, we've come to a better understanding of each other. I mean, sometimes we blow up like, mom, God, come on. But now I can see that we're both working these things out, (laughs) you know, because like I I, I also was I had to grow up early, Mm. you know, and then I'm sure there was a lot of things that I had to hash out or I'm still hashing out, you know, about missing out. But I think um, I'm grateful that they let me do that because I was a young mom and um, I think like I'm grateful that they took a lot of that responsibility Though I was, you know, in the end, like I was a little selfish. I, I regret with my daughter. I was like a little selfish because I went out and I did the whole crazy stuff and what you're supposed to do when you're young. Mm. And, you know, um, but I feel like th- I, I'm lucky that I let it out because right mm. now I'm more calm. There's no FOMO. Like I don't need to go out anymore, yeah. mm. you know, like other people. There's a need. I'm like, no, I'm okay. And I think I can be a better mom to my daughter now that way too. And now that she's like in her twenties. So we'll see. It's like a work in progress. This yeah, is we so are. eye opening. I'm we serious. We are works in progress. <laughs> I remember I'm, I was I'm, thinking, I'm just thinking like when Jelly said that she understood her mom and then Fran saying, So that that's my mom acting out. Well, this is what we were talking about. Just seeing people for who they are. Yeah. They're not bad moms. No. They're just working it out mm-hmm. in the best way they know how. And sometimes, like 
what we should extend to them is what we should extend to ourselves, which is, you know, they'll get there. You just have to believe that they'll get there. Yeah. We're not there yet. It, mm-hmm. We all have our bad days, but it's just really different because when it's your mother, because you have so the word mother, Mm-mm. when you say it, it's not just an, a word. It's an it's a world of a responsibility. Mm. Yeah, that's why like my kids now I teach them. I teach them my name ever since mm-hmm. I've taught I've. I, I teach them my name now, like not mom, Del. not mama, Del, Delamar, mm. so that they know that there's an individual there, mm. just so they know that there's a human being that has, that doesn't always know what to do. Right. Yeah, she's your mother. Mm-hmm. And when she takes, she puts on that cap or that hat, she might know what to do, but really she's just a human being making her way into the world. Yeah, And just hearing Fran and Jelly say that, it's... To see your mother for who they are is really, for me, one of the gifts of being a parent. Yeah, I've learned how to become a better daughter after becoming a mom, Same which is here. so of course. ironic. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but what a wonderful gift because it just shows you that your relationship with your parents are never over. Never. Yeah. Constantly Until evolving. they have passed on, it's never over. And so, even then, sometimes not. Yeah. And then sometimes not. Yeah, because yeah. I have conversations still, with yeah. the people I love who have passed on. I still have, <laughs> you know, I talk to them when I'm down yeah. or whatever. And we but also well. carry those unresolved, you know, issues with them even long after they're gone. You know, so it's still manifesting mm. in our space. Like if you still, if we still resent our parents for something, and even if they've passed on, the resentment's still there. Yeah. They are gone. Yeah. But that feeling, those, you know, those emotions are still in our body, in our space. That's so true. Um, well, that's, similar, that, go on, Del. Um, I just, um, I guess, hmm. No, Jelly, I think I have to self-edit. You first. No, <laughs> no self-edit. Um, you know what I was uh, about to say is that we understood that with people, we shouldn't have expectations. We're not entitled to anything. And it's, I realize now, it's something we should feel towards our parents as well. Because we have expectations of the way they should have loved us, Mm. the way they should have nurtured us, the way they should have taken care of us. And we end up resenting them because they didn't meet those expectations, which we shouldn't have put on them in the first place. The expectations and we feel entitled to things. No, I think, it's, I think it's okay to have expectations because in real life, there are expectations of a parent. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to take your child to the doctor, get vaccinations. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a literal expectation. And then there's an expectation of how we want to be loved. Mm. of how we want to be talked to, which, which is, is not always clear to them. Exactly. We have, oh, we have to be clear about, because we can't just say they have no obligations or expectations. We shouldn't have any expectations of them. That's not realistic because they are in charge of us. They are in charge of us until a certain point in our lives. And maybe that stops when you're already a grown up and you start realizing who you are, what you have lacked, what they couldn't give you, but you think to yourself, oh, well, mom tried and she that's the best that she could do. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, to manage our expectations, I think, is the key. It's yeah. not yeah. to not have them. It's really our own expectations, the what we've come up with, the, the criteria that we've, we've set, mm-hmm. you know, of how we want to be loved. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what we need to be wary of. Because now I appreciate my mother, <laughs> you know, which... I would Flaws never, and all. Yeah, yeah, I never could have, I would never have said that years ago. Oh. But now I appreciate her because I realize that's what she knows. Mm-hmm. You know, for her, how she loved us, that's how she was loved. Yeah, right. she's a product of her childhood. Exactly. Her unresolved childhood. Yeah. Yeah. So she didn't know so many things that you know we actually might be resenting her for yeah mm-hmm. so i guess also putting together adele what you said and and Jill, what you said it's really about the stage also you're in so as an adult you have these expectations and you are going to be disappointed because expectations you know they can either be fulfilled or they're unmet mm-hmm. and so you're likely to face disappointment but when you move into the sage stage you just kind of love people for all that they are and all that they could be mm-hmm. you know and so you just yeah. acknowledge that they did the best they could but you know they were coming from their own story their own right. traumas and so they didn't know how to be there for you mm-hmm. even simple obligations or expectations they couldn't fulfill it but you know they didn't have their childhoods completed either. So it's a whole line of this happening. And what we can do actually is be responsible for ourselves. So we can acknowledge that, okay, yes, we had this dysfunctional childhood or we missed out on all of these things. What do we need to learn now? Yeah. You know, how can we now move out of these negative childhood traits or tendencies? And how can we move into that, you know, that adult stage or that sage stage Mm. how can we get out of judgment how can we get out of the resentment and that is what requires um healing and also just awareness honestly for me the key for 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 most people is just understanding and acknowledging that this might be the case so everything i've shared with you today comes from theta healing Mm -hmm. it comes from a very powerful theta healing class it's uh it's a new class but it has all of this information and knowledge and what I did is I understood it. I practiced it. I actually worked on myself. I healed myself. I started healing my clients using this knowledge. And that's when things started to shift. But now as I work with other people, as I, you know, as I interact with my husband and my kids and, you know, my friends and so on, you know, I keep this kind of understanding in my mind and my perspective. And so I try to recognize where the other person is coming from or what, you know, what they lacked or what they need. And so I do my best to fulfill it without expecting anything Mm. from them, without being obligated by them. And so I move and I, you know, sort of make space for people to move with me if they choose Mm. to, you know, and, Mm. and so our relationships with people will improve and our relationships at work will improve. You know, you'll start attracting the right people to support you. You, you of course need to resolve your own trust and betrayal issues because most of us are carrying betrayal Mm. um, from as, as, as far uh, back as childhood when our parents couldn't give us the love and the nurturing, the encouragement, the appreciation. So we've been betrayed all our life by <laughs> our parents. And so that has already set the pattern in our life 
for things like trust issues and betrayal issues. And we'll manifest them with our partners. We'll manifest them with our employees. We'll manifest them, you know, with our friends. And so we kind of got to be aware of this and correct it and work on it. And as we said, uh-huh. as, as we all said, we're a work in progress. Right. We got to keep progressing, but we have to also keep learning. <laughs> mm. Is it more than, okay, so let's say... Um, you have problems with your dad or your mom and you recognize it. Um, and then let's say they're unreachable to you and you can't help them correct themselves. Right. right. And we shouldn't be. And you shouldn't, right? That's so it has life. to be with you. Yeah. Is it as easy as saying, okay, I'm just going to let it go. That person, that dad is like, that's him. Mm. And then I have no control. Yes. And then that's it. Well, that was, I mean, how else can you help yourself realize that or be comfortable or yeah, yeah just I don't want to say you're resigned to the fact, but you're just accepting of that yeah. fact. Nah. So we have to cultivate within ourselves those traits of letting go mm-hmm. of tolerance, tolerance, okay. of empathy for others, of compassion. <clears throat> so a lot of these virtues or traits, values, we need to start creating within us. And the best way to create them is by practicing them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you keep telling yourself, I'm going to let it go. Mm. And if you think about it and obsess about it and you just choose to, you know, distract yourself with something else or move to a different thought, then you're already in the process of actually acquiring that virtue and you keep practicing it and then it becomes your your default setting. Now mm-hmm. you have this virtue and you can actually be more tolerant towards all people, not just your parent. Okay. So it starts with that. And of course it's a process and that can take time. But right. there are other tools like healing. So if you go in for a theta healing session, we correct it in one session. Uh. You, so usually resolving this kind of inner child issue, the right. you know the problems of those unresolved childhoods, we kind of work through them with a client. It usually takes one session. Really? For most of it to clear, yeah. Wow. And people feel a significant dis- difference with in- one particular problem in their life. Mm-mm. But of course, if you're looking to kind of you know, change how you're thinking and how you're going to address all situations in your life, then you know, I have those students who come into the class like Jelly and they actually work all of this out mm-hmm. and it sort of like trickles to every area of their life you know so a session mm-hmm. will be address that single problem but the class will actually change you mm-hmm. and it will change the course of your life it will change the direction of your life so both are effective it's just how much time and energy do you want to invest mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and so people everyone will get there but they should be aware that this is what's happening and these are the tools of being made available to you Del, I guess, are you yeah, ready to let us know? Like when Monica was asking that, that was what I was editing in myself. I was asking for so a not, friend. That was my disclaimer. Me, yeah. Asking for a friend, a.k.a. Del. <laughs> Sorry. Um, there's just this one moment in therapy that I remember. I had gone through therapy because I was a mess and I couldn't understand what was going on. And I just wanted to know, am I crazy? I just wanted a professional to tell me if I am or not. And so she accepted me as a as as her patient and... One of the final exercises we did was she had me close my eyes and think of a memory from when I was a kid. And then she set the stage, like, what were you wearing? Where were you? Blah, blah, blah. And the thing that came up was one Sunday afternoon, I was going home from church. My parents had stayed because my my dad is a pastor. And so there was evening service, but the kids had school the next day. So we were going home around three or four in the afternoon by bus. And every time this happened... But this particular afternoon, I remember, I remember what I was wearing. I was so depressed. 
like so low, like the sun was making me sad. Everything that I saw made me sad. And then my therapist told me, okay, so where are you now? I said, we just got off the Jeep and I'm going to cross to our corner. And she said, okay, well, where, where is the little kid? Let her cross the street. And then I said, I did. I crossed the street. And she told me, you cross the street and you go to her and tell her something. And I, right until that point, I was like, what is this? This is crazy. What are you doing to me? <laughs> like the, you know, the, the ever doubtful person. I didn't want to get into this. But what escaped my mouth was so powerful to me because I hugged my younger self and I told her, it's okay. It's just a sunset. It's not, it's not the source of your pain. It's just happening when you feel pain, but you're going to be all right and life will be okay. And I remember feeling so, so empowered by that moment that when Fran asked just now, what do you do about a parent who will not do the right thing by their children? What do you do? And I remember that moment because I think to myself, I don't need you anymore to take care of me. I'm already an adult and you can do whatever you want and it can hurt me up to a certain point. Mm. But I will not carry it for too long anymore because... I can fill that need now. I can, I can do that for me. And I have other relationships that give me that. I don't have to insist that you give me what I need as a child. Yeah. And when I, I, I wrote this on a journal back in therapy, I thought to myself, wow, all this time, I'm 20-something, I'm almost 30, and I'm acting like a kid. Mm-hmm. And that awareness of what that therapy session gave me was, a chance to see myself not as a child, but as an adult who can find ways to be self-reliant, mm. most of all on emotional things. Mm. Because the material is so easy to get, but the emotional is the one that drives us. And so to answer your question, I, I don't know that there will be a changing of attitude with a parent to a degree that you get the parent you wanted the most as a child. Mm-hmm. You can't get that. Yeah. And Tanaya, the letting go was so essential because the more you see yourself as a grown-up, as the one in charge of your own happiness, it becomes clear and easy to let things go. Mm. That's just my takeaway. Del, that's the having no expectations. Yeah. Because if you don't need anyone to take care of you, Right? You don't have that expectation. You can't be disappointed. You know you can rely on yourself. You know you can count on yourself. That's the definition of self-reliance. Right. And so that is your healing. Yeah. That was your healing. Okay? <laughs> and also, you know, the talking to your childhood self and, you know, telling her it's going to be okay, that's the finishing of that yeah. story. You see how that story was open from the time you were a child and you experienced that. Nobody told you it's okay and that you're going to be okay at that time. The parent couldn't be there for some reason or the other to Mm -hmm. respond to your emotional needs. And so you have this story that's running. It's like a program running into adulthood. 
And it had manifested in that point in your life where you felt like everything was a mess. And when you went back to that incident and you finished it, you completed it, you gave that child what she needed at that point, then you finished it. Mm. And that's why you were able to let it go. And I'm sure Mm. that after that, there was a lot of healing for you in your life. Yeah. So that's what we all need. Okay. I hope a lot of children go to your sessions. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I hope a lot you of know, parents. Yeah, I hope a lot of parents get to hear this and learn yeah. to, you know. Well, I guess maybe self-regulate. You know, and mm. you just be aware when you talk to children and well, adults. Yeah. I mean, however you interact with people. Yeah. You know, I, I hope the adults recognize yeah. their child self yes. manifesting because yes. that's the big realization. Yeah. You know, yes. it has to come to their awareness mm-hmm. that, oh, that's, this is me. That's me <laughs> behaving like a child because of whatever Wait, reason. OK, so if you let's say you're dating and then you're the person that you're dating is this serial dater. Yeah. So if the one that's manifesting is what he he didn't feel safe, he didn't feel safe or loved. We'd have to find out a little bit more. But yeah, there's something manifesting. Would you have to say you're loved? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Will it help them? Yes. Like oh, I appreciate and make them, you and make them feel that way too. Uh, exactly. I should have Al here. That's what happened to him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I felt he felt love. Yeah. No, that's why during <laughs> the uh, that's why during the class. Remember, I messaged you guys yeah. that same day. I'm mm-hmm. like, guys, we have to talk right, about right. this because I was thinking about you. Mm-mm, I was mm-mm. thinking of Dell and our past, mm-mm. and I was thinking of the partners. Mm-mm. I'm yeah. like, and if I feel we can all relate to it. So many other people can too. For sure. You know, you know, my husband. So, so how I use this with my husband is, so he was raised in, you know, the generation where children are not supposed to talk back. Right. Mm. They're not supposed to like, they're not argue. heard. Yeah. They're not heard. Right. Cause that would be arguing or you're, you know, you're disrespectful talking back. Mm-mm. So I recognized, um, after this, that my husband was never heard. And, um, he was raised by a single mom. So real credit to her because she really had to take care of one little boy. You know, his dad died of a heart attack when he was four. And so she was, she didn't get a chance to mourn. And obviously all of that was manifested in her, you know, in, in the way she, yeah. in her parenting. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so she did her best to kind of like get him to be as good a child as, as he could be, but by being maybe more strict or, you know, and so my husband, I notice he, he gets into these like moods and he just wants to talk and he can talk and talk and talk. And he's not a very communicative person. Otherwise, I mean, after a couple of drinks, he's very communicative, but otherwise, you know, he's not the type to be like chatting, chatting all the time. You know, he's very like, it's like, you know, you're strong, silent type at home. And, um, and so he would get into these zones where he'd just talk and talk and talk and talk. And sometimes, like after a couple of years of being married, I wouldn't listen because I had so many other things going on. And then I realized that he needs to be heard, you know, because he looks for validation. When he's talking, he's looking for validation. He's looking to be heard. He's looking to know that I see him, I recognize him. And from that time where I got that understanding... 
I started to put everything away and listen. Uh-huh. Like even if I was in the middle of doing something else and it's mm-hmm. like, wait, but I'm in the middle of doing something else, you know, mm-hmm. like I can't expect to drop everything all the time. He wants to like go Cover. into this, yeah. right? But I realized, <laughs> no, I am expected. I, ex- I now choose to actually mm-hmm. drop everything okay. and listen because that's what he needs to feel right now. Mm-hmm. And so I started to give him things willingly <laughs> because I understood what he lacked. Yeah. And so now I listen. And there are other things that I do also that I understand from childhood is like, I don't ever tell him what to do. He just does not respond well to that. Mm. You know, so I'm always like, mm-hmm. well, if you want to, you can, but this is what I think, but you know, whatever you want to do. You know, and so lots of times he really does what he wants to do. <laughs> you know, he always asks me, looks, how does this look? You know, does it look good together? These shoes, these clothes, whatever. And I'm like, I'll say something and he'll do completely the opposite thing. But I know that's because he needs to assert himself. He needs to do things his way because in his childhood, he didn't get much room to do that. Mm. So that's why it's manifesting. So you can also understand their traits better and not be, you know, annoyed by it or not yeah. taken personally because you're like oh he's just doing this because of that right you know so oh. you understand each other better and you relate better so it's understanding yourself and once you understand yourself you are a much better partner to anybody else mm-hmm. it was after the- have a lot of questions after this podcast <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know yeah, what? And, and and i think that we should just send it to you we'll forward to you all of the <laughs> All of the questions that oh, might arise after people sure. hear this. We'll, we'll repost wow, it and at Sanaya. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I'm happy it's, to. It's really eye opening. And I think right. uh, a message that a lot of people need to hear, too. Thank you. So <laughs> thank, thank you, you so much for your time and for always, um, for always giving us um, some light, some light in our lives. It's really. <laughs> oh, tapos libre, di ba? <laughs> Well, that's what we're all here for, right? Like through the podcast, yeah. you're you're shedding light, you know, and obviously right. you are giving us the platform. You are giving us the opportunity to share it. So the credit is to to the three of you and your whole team. Your whole team. Thank you. Thank you, Sanaya. Thank you for spending Saturday morning with us. We appreciate it. We really know how busy you are. Um, And can I just tell you, like, after that episode and and weeks after, like, when it it aired and then weeks after, um, I came across a lot of people who were kind of like, you know, in, in, in troubled times, problematic. And I said, oh, listen to this podcast. Or um, I introduced them to the thought of theta healing. Mm. And they're like, what's that? And mm. I said, just Google it. But this is what it is. But listen to this podcast. Yeah. And then, um, and they're like, okay, that, that it kind of opened their eyes to what it could help them with. Mm-hmm. And then there was one specific friend. She went, she booked an appointment with you. Mm. And because it was something that, and it was a friend that came out of nowhere. Like I knew her from um, uh, radio days back, way, way, way back. And then she found me on Instagram. And then she's like, okay, can we meet up? Just like a get together. And I said, sure. Super random, like because I don't go out like much, mm. and then maslalo people when they say, "Oh, you know, you're from my past," <laughs> and then let's go meet <laughs> up and like talk about times. I don't really do that, um, but I did, uh, and then it was such a great conversation. It was just a great like meeting up, catching up kind of conversation. And um, Sanaya's uh, theta healing came up, and she's like, "Oh my god, 
I'm so interested in that. I'm like, when people say that, I'm like, really, are you? But she's like, no, I, I really am. I said, okay, okay, well, this is their Instagram. This is their, you know, if you want. That, that's how you will know when they're really interested, when they actually do the research on their own. Yeah. And then they book a session, and mm. she did. Mm. And uh, she had a follow-up message. She's like, oh, my God, thank you so much for introducing this to me. You know, so it was just like... I guess the, if you believe in it, the universe and the randomness of everything, yeah. you know, everything happens for a reason, yeah. you know, wow. so that was very nice. It was very nice. So we're so grateful that you always get to spend time with us. It's fun. It's awesome. Really. The conversations are really inspiring. <laughs> Thank you, know, you Tanaya. So for the benefit of the listeners, where will they find you? How will they reach you? Okay. So you can find me on all social media channels. It's Sanaya Gurnamal. Let me just spell that for you. That's S-A-N-A-I-O. Y-A-H. So at Sanaya Gurnamal, G-U-R-N-A-M-A-L. So I know you guys are going to tag me as well. So you can, you know, definitely message, find me on Facebook, um, Instagram. I do have a website coming up. And of course, all my healing sessions are at the Third Eye Wellness. Um, That's the center that I founded. And I do do all my classes there. I do all my workshops and personal appointments. Uh, We have tons of healers. I really recommend Theta Healing for anybody who wants to change anything in their life, even just to understand yourself better or to grow as an individual. We do have Theta Healing classes, which Jelly has um, taken. And and that's really why I'm here is because (laughs) she's actually experienced it and it's really helped her. And uh, both of us are pretty passionate about Mm. telling anybody about it. You know, there is a way to actually resolve anything in your life you don't have to live with whatever's making you unhappy so check me out Sanaya Gurnamal and uh, and really I I am so grateful to all of you your whole team for making this happen and for giving us all a voice thank you and we do have listeners like all across the globe Um, do you do Skype yes I do Skype sessions so not a problem we do Skype sessions I do evening appointments so that I can you know help people and other time zones and um, of course during the daytime I am at the center so they Mm -hmm. can definitely book at our um, thirdeyeonline.com website that's t-h-i-r-d-e-y-e online.com and they can just book an appointment there and honestly you can book an appointment with any healer everybody's equipped to do this kind of work Um, it's really about connecting with you know the universe and the energy and and so everyone is you know, the right healer for you. Anybody can do it for you. Um, so I do encourage you to definitely introspect and, and go out and seek, you know, what, what you want in your life. Nice. Thank you. Thank you, Sanaya. And ah, nice. we are done. We're done. <laughs> uh, we, need to, we need to go to our corner and let this, you know, kind of like trickle down into our, yes. into our system. <laughs> Del, get well. Thank you. Yes, feel better. Plenty of love. (laughs) Thanks, Del. Uh, Thanks, Sanaya. Of course, thank you to Podcast Network and We Remote Studios um, for helping us out with the tech part. Yes. This connecting uh, us to Del and then us to everybody else. And And check out their eye. Ryan, who's working double hard. Yes, thank you, Ryan. Ryan Mm -hmm. and Val. Um, Check out the IG of Podcast Mm -hmm. Network. Just 
Podcast Network. You can also check out the other um, podcasts that they have. Yes. There's uh, many. Kudazzers, yeah. The Halo Halo Show, Hustle Share. Hustle mm-hmm. and, and now there are new ones. There's one about wrestling yeah. and there's like a comedy show. So all of that, you will find it on the Podcast Network. Check it out on IG. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you. All right. So that wraps up this episode of the Eavesdrop Podcast. My name's Fran. Jelly here. And all the way from Utah, this is Delamar thanking you guys for checking out the latest episode on the Eavesdrop. Eavesdrop.